Hi, this is David Yaz at the Boston Podcast Network, hoping you are staying safe and healthy during this period of precaution over the coronavirus. It's difficult to connect with your clients and contacts in a period such as this, but here we continue to produce podcasts that allow you to connect with the people that you want to reach. You've got a rapt audience like never before. People are home, they're listening, and they're waiting to hear from you. We can create a professional podcast with a quick turnaround and do the whole thing remotely so you don't have to leave your home. Get in touch with us at pod617.com. From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our city. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, thieves, everyone out there in the greater Boston area. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. It's the show where we tell the stories of your city through the voices of your city. I have a great guest today. Her name is Kara Cohen. She's a special education advocate. Please, let's, uh, let's properly welcome Kara to the show. Thank you. I want you, to, want you to feel loved. We all need a little extra love these days, don't we? I'm so, <laughs> so, so um, we're going to talk about what Kara does. We're going to talk about how her world maybe has changed and maybe things are different for kids and adults with, with special needs during this, uh, these uh, uncertain times? Do you prefer uncertain times or unprecedented times or end of times? Crazy times. <laughs> crazy times is crazy times is good. Um, towards the end of the show, we'll play good stuff. We'll give you a recommendation on something you absolutely need to know about how to continue to survive this pandemic and this craziness. And uh, we will have our usual brand of fun. So, Kara, how is your pandemic? How's your pandemic going? Is it fun? <laughs> It's actually, you know, we're on week 10 now, so I feel like we're all used to it, which is kind of sad, but it is what it is. I fortunately, I have a, my kids are 13 and 15, so mm-hmm. they're self-sufficient. That's um, I guess if there's, if there's a good age to have children during a pandemic, this is a good, they're at a good ages. I've heard both. I think the worst would be with respect to toddlers and tykes, the worst would probably be to have super young kids because, you know, the, the cooped up factor is intensified with the little ones who need so much attention. Then I've also heard though, sometimes the teenagers are are really tough because they're, they're ready to like live their lives. They've got their own lives, you know, and they want to go places and meet up with friends. How are your kids spending the time? Are we talking a lot of uh, video games or other Apps so my son, my son is the older one and he, he's a freshman in high school and he, um, he does do some of the Xbox, which he had gotten out of, but now he's back into it because he <laughs> does Fortnite with friends, but he does a lot of riding his bike and he fishes a lot, which oh, cool. I have to say has been awesome. I don't know how he can spend that much time fishing, but he can, his friends, they meet up, but they're, they keep their distance and they're boys. It's not like they see each other and hug. So, and not sharing tackle. (laughs) So they're meeting up and, um, and fishing a lot, which has been great. And he's an introvert anyway. So he's actually kind of flourished during this time. It's been good for him. My daughter's the more social one who it was a bit of a, it was a harder start for her, but she's into a routine and now she and her friends will get together in a more socially distanced appropriate sort of way and they kind of like wearing their masks because they're young teenage girls <laughs> so yeah and she's gotten really into Grey's Anatomy which is funny oh, wow. 
it yeah. started before she was born. And she talks about how well, they had flip phones in the beginning and it's <laughs> so long ago. <laughs> oh my um, God. Can you imagine? Yes. I know. Crazy. And she's actually from watching Grey's Anatomy. She's, um, she started suturing, um, fruit in our house. <laughs> she, <laughs> she ordered, yeah. First with my sewing kit, she took out and started suturing fruit. And now she is really into, um, a lot of kind of scientific anatomy and things like that. So I might have a wow. doctor in the making. Yeah. Well, I mean, heck, I went to law school because of my fondness for the TV show, LA Law. I thought that was everything I needed to know to become a lawyer. Probably not the best reason to go in. So, and was it? <laughs> no, well, the law degree worked out fine for me, but the, it was not exactly as it was depicted on the show. You know, every, all the lawyers are beautiful, glamorous, and every dispute is resolved within about, you know, 22 minutes in, in, a, in a, uh, a grand orchestra flourish closing argument that saves the day. That's real life isn't always like that. You said you don't know how your son can keep fishing. You know what they say? There's plenty of fish in the sea. Thank you. Thank you. Bad joke of the day in the books. Um, and, um, yeah, my son plays, uh, Fortnite. He's been doing that for years with his friends and they've been doing it online and he like disappears up there and, but at least they're interacting with each other. So they were ready for, for this moment. Right. 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 Yeah. 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 So tell us uh, in a nutshell, tell us what you do and how you work with, do you work with, uh, primarily, um, children? I take it that that is the case. I mean, you know, the, the state is responsible for education for people with special needs up to age 22. So tell right. us what, where you come in. Cause I've been through this with my son where you fight, you, inevitably you fight with the town. The town doesn't want to give all the necessary, um, arrangements services. and services, sorry, services, that's the word, but yeah, tell us where you come in. That is where I come in actually. Okay. So <laughs> I help families who have children with special needs navigate the school process, the world of special education, um, in any capacity they need. So whether it is, if they're, they feel their child's having, um, struggling in school uh, through the eligibility process. They feel like there's something wrong, but they don't know, or their child has already been identified as um, in special education and through the individualized education program process, the IEP process, uh, whether it has to do with getting the child services that are appropriate for that child or um, classroom placement or school placement that is appropriate, really in any capacity that the family needs. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes families will contact me or look for me or an advocate when there's a conflict going on. Um, so the family is wanting something or told by their outside service providers, like their pediatrician, their neuropsychologist, whoever it may be, that their child needs to have certain kinds of services in a certain kind of placement within the school. And then the school sometimes doesn't agree with that exactly. And then the family doesn't really know where to go from there. So with that kind of conflict slash resolution situation, families contact me um, to kind of help navigate that process. Because the special education process, special education in and of itself, is it's very gray. If it were black and white, that would be great. But you have a law background, so you know how law can be mm -hmm. really tricky. Um, so special education can just be interpreted in so many different ways. It's so individualized. So what one school may be offering, may be giving, may be denying, another school has an entirely different program, an entirely different outlook. 
So it, it really varies on school district, on school within that district, and whatever is going on with that child. So I, um, my background was working with children with autism right, outside, right after college. Uh, I worked at the New England Center for Children, which was formerly New England Center for Autism. I forget, uh, if, we, I forget if we talked about this, Kara. So that's, that's, I'm a neck person. So for, you are. Yeah, so for years, my son, Adrian, had the benefit of New England Center for Children's Services in the Sharon school system. So he would go to Sharon High and but the neck people would come in. So, oh, um, wow. so I'm buddies with Vinnie Strully over there. And uh, yeah. it's, uh, yeah, for those that don't know, just a wonderful, one of the just, um, you know, the quintessentially quality driven treatment for kids with autism, New England Center for Children. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So I worked there right out of college. I always, I always knew ever since I was in elementary school, I just was always drawn to children with special needs. Um, I was so intrigued by children who had special needs and I always wanted to show other people around me that children weren't contagious. Um, <laughs> and yeah, there was a, there was a girl in my second grade class that I believe had cerebral palsy. I don't even know exactly what disability she had, but kids were kind of afraid of her cause she was different. And I, I hear from her family to this day because I just, made her my friend. I used to hold her hands, show everybody that she was not contagious. I'd go to her birthday parties. First time I went ice skating was with her. So, and then from there on, I was, I read every book I could on Helen Keller and Ann Sullivan. I was just always drawn to um, children with special needs. And there wasn't necessarily anyone in your family that, that no, that nobody okay. in, in my good family. Yeah. yeah, it just was, yeah, has always been a passion of mine. And I volunteered. We used to have children with severe special needs in my elementary school. At that time, they they don't do this anymore because those children, when I was in fifth grade, they were adult children, like just before, you know, turning 22, probably 18 to 22. We volunteered right. and worked during the school day with them. Um, and then in college, I my undergrad was in speech pathology and audiology and then graduated from there and then got the job at the New England Center for Children. So I worked there for three years working um, in their lives at the school, but I also worked in their residential setting. Mm -hmm. So um, I worked with kid, for kids who had severe behavioral disorders and autism for three years while I worked towards my master's in special education through Simmons College, which mm -hmm. at the New England Center for Children, they have amazing programs where they will pay for your master's programs, certain master's programs while you're working full-time for NEC, working towards your um, master's part-time, mm -hmm. which you're getting all the real-life experience, which was amazing. It was amazing, amazing experience. Very hard, but it was amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and from there, I graduated, I got my master's in 2000 and got a job teaching as a um, special educator in a public school district right outside of Washington, D.C., in Alexandria City. And I had a classroom that was called, uh, it was a self-contained classroom for kids with autism. And when I got to Virginia, they were so far behind where we are in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. They had no inclusion programs running. There was no co-teaching. And I came in like guns a-blazing. I was ready to make a difference. Um, and there were a lot of teachers there that were just complacent and had mm -hmm. been for years. So I was not necessarily the most popular when I got there because <laughs> I wanted to make a difference and make things happen for these kids, which made other people have to 
work. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but it all worked out great. I, I taught my classroom with kids with autism for a couple of years, and then I ended up piloting a an inclusion program, and I co-taught, and then I moved from that position to a position as um, the autism resource specialist for the entire district of Alexandria City. So mm -hmm. I oversaw all the kids in that district, K through 12, who were um, who had the autism educational label or who we thought may be eligible for autism. And in that position, I helped set up classrooms. I traveled around to learn of best practices to bring back to our school district and to teacher trainings. Um, and I ran support groups for parents who had kids with autism. Um, and then I had my first child and I, I'm from Massachusetts. I'm from Sudbury and it was wonderful growing up here. And I always knew I'd want to be closer to home when, um, my family is still in Massachusetts. So mm -hmm. we moved back, which the one thing I, that was just, a, um, sad for me was leaving that position because sure. it was just an ideal position. Um, and actually in that position, in all of the IEP meetings that I chaired at that time, there was an, oftentimes there was an advocate and after the meetings that the advocate worked for the parents. So sure. the advocate would pull me aside after meetings and she'd be like, Kara, what are you doing working for the school? You need to advocate for these families. You're yeah, you doing need to it be, during there are good guys and there are bad guys. And, 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 uh, you know, it's horrible to say this, but typically in those meetings, the school district is, are the bad guys because, and yeah. it's a lot of it, you know, they're, they're, I mean, we've run up in, in dealing with the school and my son's services. We've run up to, against uh, people who are great and are in it for the right reasons. And then we've dealt with other people who it's like, they're classic bureaucrats and they're just there you can tell they're just geared towards giving the kids just, just enough to get by Right. As, enough as they can justify it under the law and it's and for some of these people it's like why did you get into this this area in the first place <laughs> um but i exactly. guess yeah and budgets are always limited right exactly so yeah. um so she used to always try to get me to advocate with her and join her which i didn't do at the time but when i moved back to massachusetts after having my son um i wanted to stay in the field but work part-time. So I was working for an agency going into homes and um, helping set up in-home in home services for ch younger children with autism. So preschool age children with autism. And in that position, I did not attend meetings, but I would talk to the parents before they were to have school meetings. And eventually the the organization I worked for told me I was not allowed to quote unquote coach the parents. Right. I found that to be a big conflict of interest. Yeah, yeah. So I left. I got in touch with the advocate I knew back in Virginia, uh, talked to her a bit more about what she did with advocacy, did some research on of my own back here. And um, then I found the Federation for Children with Special Needs. That's um, right outside of Boston. Mm -hmm. And they help families um, with children with special needs, they do trainings, a variety of different trainings, and they have a call center. Any families who have questions can call. There are people available to answer the phones and answer those questions. And one of the trainings, they do an intensive week-long advocacy training. Mm -hmm. So I did that right after I had my second child, and this was back in I finished my advocacy program training when uh, just in the very beginning of 2007. 
So um, that's when my whole advocacy journey started. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was wonderful. I was able to advocate for families and bring together the piece, having worked for a school, I know a lot of times going into meetings what we're going to be faced against. So I can prepare families for what we may hear. Um, sure. And um, that I find really helpful. So I started that in 2007, took a break for a little bit. Um, I thought as my kids got older, I would have more time to devote to work. And then I actually ended up having less time. But <laughs> then I got into a place where again, my kids are more self-sufficient and I could do more. So I've kind of restarted what I used to do, but I'm trying to do it kind of bigger, better, more in this day and age. Everything now is more, I've learned is more like networking and things like that. So I've been doing a lot of networking, meeting wonderful people and just really building my resource list. So when I have clients that I'm trying to help, I know more readily services and people I can get them in touch with and how I can help them and, and things like that. So you're in there with the, the meetings, these, these battles, these, I, but they're not always battles, but they can be battles. The, uh, what my experience was Adrian's mom and I hired a lawyer um, to help us and a wonderful lawyer named Bob Badger, who you should know, maybe you already know him. We have yeah. got, we've had an introduction. Okay. Yes. Well, he's wonderful, but he came with us. It was kind of our last ditch attempt to get Adrian superior services. He had been doing okay at the special ed program in Jaron high school, but mm-hmm. we, you know, he was at the time, uh, 20 years old, I want to say. So the really only two years left on the clock as, as the law provides that once he's 22, that's no longer the responsibility of the town to educate him anyway. So we went in and to our surprise, the school, the school said, okay, we'll give you full services outplaced at uh, Cardinal Cushing Center in Hanover, but he's got to live there. He's got to go there residentially because that's what was the best recommendation for him. He needed to you know, become more independent. And uh, we were like, oh, wow, I guess we just, we got what we, be careful what you wish for, you know, because you might get it. And so, but right. he, so he has spent, but it, it, it had worked out, mostly it has worked out beautifully. He, uh, you know, spent more than a year at Cardinal Cushing. He did become sort of more independent, you know, lived in his own dorm room. It was scary for us to send him away for the first time, but uh, just you know, wonderful for him. So it was it was a win. Now, of course, he's home because <laughs> you know we we got him fairly early on in this nonsense. But you are you are the one. Like, would people need? Are you an alternative to a lawyer? Yes. Okay. So I tell clients, um, I am not a lawyer. I do not have a law background at all. I am like. I am the step before a lawyer. If things end up going down a litigious route, then Mm -hmm. I, once I get to a point that I've taken a family as far as I can go, which is usually um, mediation, possibly having filed for um, with the Board of Special Education Appeals, if it's really looking like a litigious route, then I will recommend a lawyer. Mm -hmm. But so what I tell families is uh, what I, what I do in a nutshell, I told you before, like now nav- I help families navigate the school system. But one of my big things with families, um, I find what I try to kind of make clear is that I find, you know, anything dealing with your children is an emotional process. You know, I've sat through parent teacher conferences. Neither of my children have special needs, but I've sat through parent teacher conferences when there is nothing negative being said, but they're talking there's somebody else talking about my children and i cry 
for, you know, nothing <laughs> of course to do. Happening. It's just, yep. they're, they're my kids. Yep. So it's hard to, it's really hard for a parent to sit in a meeting and to hear things in, about your children in an objective way. Do you notice that as we now I'm older than you, however, as we get to a certain state in our lives, I find I cry more and more every, every, every year. Usually it's something to do with my kid, but it could be just something heartwarming you see on, on TV. It's usually a good cry. It feels good. When I, oddly enough, when I hear children cry, I mean, nope, nope, that's wrong. When I hear children sing, I I start crying. It's like, oh, it's a weird, it's embarrassing because it can happen at inopportune times. But yeah, I know what if you're you ever, My goodness, I don't know how you would make it through it, the It's a Small World ride at uh, Disney World. You must, be, <laughs> you must be just a puddle, a puddle when it comes to that thing. So, um, so let me ask you this. The, the, the idea of making sure a kid has the services that he needs, that, that's your jurisdiction. Now it's changed, right? So Tell us, and, and like my son remarkably has adapted well to living at home and being having a completely different routine. You've worked with kids with autism for your whole career, so you know they love their routines. They cling to it, right? Yeah. <clears throat> now they're, they're, they can be off their game. Have you, have you dealt with some folks? I realize you're not a, a therapist. You're obviously a special ed uh, advocate, which is different, but um, has the world changed for you and for these kids? Absolutely. So um, for some kids with autism, so many kids with autism, as you know, um, receive ABA uh, services. So applied behavioral analysis is a certain scientific way of working with teaching some kids with autism. So for some kids with autism um, who are considered more severe, and again, that's that's subjective. It's -hmm. subjective. It depends on the individual. Some of those kids have been receiving uh, in-person ABA services because that those service providers have been um, deter- de- deemed um, essential. Right. So some. Oh, of so okay. Kids, the, so they they've been doing it throughout the pandemic. For some, but not for right. all. There's okay. still many families that you know. I've been on a, on web a webinar every week. The so I was saying before the Federation for Children with Special Needs, and there's also an organization span the special education parent advocacy network they have paired up and they are doing webinars every week with a couple of different special ed lawyers and um, last week they had somebody from desi the department of education and secondary education on there so every week it's been an update or now it's more like every two weeks an update on how this um, pandemic is what's going on, how it's affecting special education. So the, it kept changing. Like the first two weeks was one thing and then it kept expanding. So now things have changed a lot. So with all this remote learning, it's been very, very tricky for children who are on an IEP because there's services for every IEP, as you know, um, children, have, there's a service delivery grid. So mm-hmm. Children, depending on that individual, there's different services that they should be getting, whether it's speech or occupational therapy, physical therapy, social skills, things like that, that they are no longer able to get um, certainly one-to-one just because there are not enough service providers to be able to give all these services to kids, even through uh, remote learning. so it has been what the Department of Education has said is that every child is supposed to continue on their IEP. However, services will look will look different. So um, 
they, and it, it changes for every school where these kids are. So for every child on an IEP, there should be a quote unquote contact person. So mm -hmm. that person who is part of the IEP is in touch with the family to kind of keep on top of what's going on, what's working at home, what's not working at home. Right. So for these teachers who are teaching, they need to be making the modifications that these kids have on their IEP. Kids are supposed to be doing that work. What's happening a lot of times is the parent is really becoming the actual homeschool teacher that is delivering these different services and the way that the teachers are kind of assigning it. These A lot of these kids can't do it independently, mm -hmm. can't modify the work, um, or the teachers aren't modifying the work, so the parents have to help with what the kids aren't able to do at home. It really depends on the student, on their disability, and on the different, the varying levels of severity. Mm -hmm. So it's been really, really tricky. Um, it's been really tricky. What I've been telling my clients is, you know, keep track, keep data, write down every day what's working for your child and what is not working for your child. Um, so you can share those things with the school. What we've been told by the special education lawyers specifically is, you know, compensatory services. So when a child is not getting the number of hours, the amount of services they're supposed to, typically in a regular world, those services need to be made up. But during this pandemic, during this time, those services are not going to be made up. So compensatory mm -hmm. services, just let it go. But definitely keep track of what's working for your child, what is not working for your child. And I keep telling my clients, I hope this information is going to yield better IEPs from this because mm -hmm. they're going to see firsthand what, what, what is working for them, what isn't working for them what their children are not generalizing. So what are they able to do at school, but not at home? What are they able to do at home that they're not able to do at school? And really build a good education plan on those strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. um, so really it is, it depends on the individual, on the schools that they're in, because nothing is stable across the board at all. If I hear you right then, <clears throat> because um, Adrian's mom and I thought about this because, you know, we, we brought him home, essentially removed him from the services. It was our choice. Um, I mean, we, we didn't think it was wise to let him stay in the school. Some, some parents kept their kids there at this particular facility for much longer. And I don't know if it's officially closed now or what. But, um, but what you're saying is there's no magic tonic for kind of getting back what he's not getting now. There's no, like in the business world, there's the, the PPP loan program, the stimulus package. You can get some money. Seems like uh, you, you got to kind of roll with the punches here if you're a special needs parent. Correct. And it's really hard, especially for those families that have kids with more severe disabilities who really need one-to-one -one services. And then if those families are working at the same time and have other children, it's, it's, it can be a nightmare. For it's sure. really, it's really, really hard. Yeah. So I've been helping as best I can with my clients, checking in with them um, usually weekly, every other week, just to see where they stand, see what help they may need, help them with communication with their school. Um, and, you know, fortunately, a lot of my clients are doing okay. Yeah. Um, and then we still have yet to see they're doing they're doing IEP meetings now virtually. So we've been told that in terms of timeline, because for every IEP, there's they, they need to by 
state law they need to follow a specific timeline that's kind of where everybody's being more lenient when it comes to that and mm -hmm. more lenient with um, the people from the IEP team who may be on a zoom call or how, what, however they're doing the virtual meeting at a time mm -hmm. um, but the meeting should be happening still um, and you know when things aren't happening again I help with the communication and I help with what can happen from there if things are not moving as they should be moving. It's uh, Kara Cohen. And if you want more information on how to get in touch with Kara, and you should because she's awesome. It's KaraCohenAdvocate.com. Kara is C-A-R-A Cohen, typical spelling. At least I think it's typical spelling. C-O-H-E-N, Advocate.com. And I mean, I guess people all across the, the special needs world should know you. I mean, the, the people that are professionals, the people that run the schools, the nonprofits, parents, of course, right? You invite everyone to come say hello. Absolutely. Okay. And More website, than <laughs> the website, website's the best place to uh, reach you? Yes. The, my, I have my uh, email and contact information is on my website. Good on you. CaraCohenAdvocate.com. Before we go, we will play a round, as promised, of good stuff. Let's do it. Oh, that's the good okay. stuff. sitting here watching you on we're watching each other on a zoom call most guests dance a little bit when i started to you <laughs> see me <laughs> i might have been looking away all right we'll give you credit well done we all need a little silliness during this period right so <clears throat> as we do pardon me covid no it was not a covid cough i was just clearing my throat people i'm okay <laughs> everyone relax tell us what tip you might have for our listeners kara something that has uh Brighten your spirits, maybe, or help you cope during this, this silliness. I have been embracing the time that I get to spend with my children because they, before I know it, they're going to be away at school. Um, and so I, I know that I'm never going to have this time with them again. So mm -hmm. that's been great for me. I have been, in, with the weather getting nicer, that's huge for me. That is mm -hmm. like medicine for me. So I have been going on ridiculously long, wonderful walks as often as I can, unless mm -hmm. it is raining or really cold. Mm -hmm. So those have been my things. And I just try to think of, I try to think of the most positive things possible that I'm getting through this. Anytime I start getting low, I realize, you know, we are all in this together as kind of cliche as that sounds, but yes. um, we are. I don't have it any worse than anybody else. I actually have mm -hmm. it. I, I have it pretty, pretty good. So I try to focus on the positive. Well, good, good on you. And um, I'm trying to find a version of all in this uh, together, of course, from the, the epic Disney production, High School Musical. Are you familiar? <laughs> no? Yes. Were your kids into that at the time? My um, daughter watched it a bit. Yeah, I've had that song going through my head a little bit, and uh, let's see if Win I can lose. cue it up. It's even worse than I remember it. <laughs> young, I'm, I'm, I know you can't see it, Kara. I'm watching a young Zac Efron uh, dancing and 
sort of playing basketball at the same time. And uh, as, as we all do. Yeah, of course, of course. By the way, I apologize because you, you told me earlier that when you hear kids. Uh, oh, no. Uh, <laughs> these are older kids, so maybe you're not crying when they're singing. High school musical. <laughs> right, here comes a chorus. All right, that's enough, Zach. That's right. But I keep it's hearing that. One. I, I have the by Billy Joel. We will all go down together. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's <a> better. <laughs> Yours is better. That's more appropriate. Yeah. Good night, Saigon. Poor Billy Joel got got mocked for that song because he didn't go to Vietnam. I liked it. I mean, it's a sad song. Don't listen to it now, people. It'll just depress you. Yeah. Um, I'll give one brief tip. Uh, and I was Kara. I was talking to you about this before we started recording. If you're doing a lot of these Zoom calls, invest in a cool camera because it, it does make a difference. Now, Carrie, you look wonderful. You, you picked a nice uh, backdrop. You've got some, um, she's got a lovely, what do you call that? It's not a, I'm, I'm going to say uh, cabinet, bureau. No, it's, it's a, a cabinet, like it's a, a China cabinet. Okay. And it's lovely. And you did a nice job there. You didn't do the virtual, ba- I assume that's not a virtual background. My can't my um computer's too old. I get eaten okay. by it, so you can see my eyes like opening. And yeah, closing, but <laughs> the virtual background's funny for about ten seconds, and then you got to get it off because it's. I've I've yet to see one that's perfect. It's usually blurred, and you can see, like you say, you can see kind of half your face and stuff. Yeah. What I will tell people is invest in a camera. Now I got kind of a pricey one, but you can get one for you know in the you can get one in the. A $50 range, you can get one in the $100 range. I was showing off earlier that I have these, this, oh, no, it's not working. Oh, see, I can zoom out on mine. You listeners can't see it, but Kara can see it. So she can see the whole set of the Boston podcast, including this popcorn machine that I keep over here for who knows why. Um, and uh, it's, and the picture just looks better. If you're going to do a ton of these Zoom calls, and then you might say to yourself, well, where do I get one? You can, a lot of places are still shipping online. I, I actually kind of, wanted I want my gadgets right away so I ordered it from Best Buy curbside pickup uh and the closest one to me was Mansfield and they have their act together there at Best Buy like that you know you you know you get an email you get a text alert and you punch it on your phone and it says just tell us it's tell us where you are in other words uh, I'm in the black SUV I'm two cars behind the blah 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 and they come out and they find you and they give you your stuff so I Good probably on you, should have done one. We just had my daughter's Zoom mitzvah on Saturday. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that's a thing now. I mean, I knew people were doing bar mitzvahs and even weddings, but I didn't know it was called a Zoom mitzvah. How, tell me how that, before we go, tell me how that went. It actually, it was, it was beautiful. It really? went as well, as well as a Zoom mitzvah could go. I mean, the whole day, Saturday was a beautiful day. You were talking about the camera, so that would have probably been yeah. good because we had like dark sheets on all the windows because as you can see, I'm like whited out. Mm-hmm. But um, my daughter, you know, she's my daughter, but in all honesty, she did she did an amazing job. She looked beautiful. She we they my temple, um, we go to Benetora and Sudbury, mm-hmm. and they did a beautiful service. It was it was wonderful. It was really, really nice. And um, so the the temple sets this up. Via Zoom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. And I sent an I sent an email to everyone we had invited. I mean, that part was a bit of a pain in the ass, but um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Sunday. if you ha- if you have if you want the true experience, they should have 
someone, one of the ushers, you know, in the back of the synagogue, and he would have to go down the various Zoom uh, boxes and say, shh, hey, shh, shh. Exactly. Call, hey, exactly. Jeremy Feinstein, shh. <laughs> I know your parents. Quiet down back there. But so yeah. all the but all the kids were on yeah, watching? Yeah, kids and family. It was really nice. So we did that. She knocked it out of the ballpark. She did nice. an amazing job. And then we had, again, it was a beautiful day. So we were outside. Our photographer actually came by for like 15 minutes to take pictures outside. We cool. had family who had ordered these huge balloons that were on like, our, you know, the, we have a portico. So on either mm -hmm. side of the door, that surprised her. So that was really nice. And then like everyone's been doing, we had one of those like honk and wave parades. Oh, cool. um, a bunch of our friends got together and did that. We had family that did like, camped around different areas of my yard, socially distanced, so they could be here. And it was, it was a beautiful day. That's great. So, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, Hopefully be able to do her party at a later date. We'll see what happens. That's the way you do it. I think postpone the party. So, yeah. because you know, the, the ceremony certainly doesn't lose as much as the, the party, the festivity with the DJ, you know, and, and all exactly. that. Um, yeah. so it was beautiful. Yeah. Um, so cool. So, Kara uh, Cohen, once again, reach Kara at karacohenadvocate.com. I hope you had fun. This was great. And I know a lot of people have to touch base with you. I have a bunch of people in one of my networking groups that would love to do this. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I forgot to plug it. If you'd like to be a guest on the Boston podcast, just email me, david at pod617.com. We want to feature everybody. There's no charge for this. It's free, kids. So come on, plug your business, plug whatever it is that you do. Let people know you're still alive and kicking during this silly, silly pandemic thing, which maybe there's some light at the end of the tunnel. I don't know. Someday I want to be able to meet you in person, Kara. That would be nice too, you know? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> We're going to be like, oh yeah, you're the person that we had that Zoom call. Yikes. <laughs> <clears throat> Thanks for listening to the Boston Podcast. Go to pod617.com if you'd like your own podcast. And on behalf of Kara Cohen, find her at karacohenadvocate.com. My name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Enjoy the day, everybody. Hang in there. It might be done soon. I hope.